He drew farther back and examined the area all around, checking for any extraneous items that might lead to evidence against him. He discovered only a piece of cloth from his hood that had caught on a bush near where the body lay. Careless. You can't afford that. He placed it in his pocket. He spent several more minutes looking for other such items nearing microscopic size. In the world of criminal investigation, it was these forensic no-seums that did one in. A single drop of blood, semen, or saliva, a smudge of fingerprint, a hair follicle with a bit of DNA-littered root attached, and the police could be reading you your rights while prosecutors circled hungrily nearby. Unfortunately, even full awareness of that reality offered little protection. Every criminal no matter how careful, left potentially incriminating material at the crime scene. Thus, he'd taken great care to have no direct physical contact with the dead woman, as though she were an infectious agent that could cause a fatal disease. He rolled up the plastic and pocketed the telephone cord, checked the watch once more, and then slowly made his way back to his car. Behind him lay the dead woman, her hand upraised to the watery heavens, her watch was slightly luminous in the dark and made a dull beacon for her new resting place. She wouldn't remain undiscovered for long. Dead bodies above ground rarely did, even in places as isolated as this. As he drove off, the hooded man used his finger to trace the symbol on his hood, making the sign of the cross at the same time. The crosshair's symbol also appeared on the face of the watch he'd placed on the dead woman's wrist. That should certainly get a rise out of them. He took a breath full of excitement as well as dread. For years, he had imagined that this day would never come. For years, his courage had faltered. Now that the first step had been taken, he felt a great sense of empowerment and liberation. He shifted into third gear and sped up, his tires grabbing the slicked roadway and holding firm as the darkness swallowed up the lights of his blue VW. He wanted to get to where he was going as fast as possible. He had a letter to write. Chapter 2 Michelle Maxwell picked up her pace. She'd completed the flat portion of her run through the hills around Wrightsburg, Virginia, sequestered southwest of Charlottesville, Virginia. The train would now grow much steeper. Maxwell was a former Olympic rower who'd subsequently spent nine intense years in the Secret Service. Consequently, the five-foot, ten-inch woman was in remarkable physical shape. However, an enormous high-pressure system had parked over the entire mid-Atlantic, making this spring day unusually humid, and her muscles and lungs were beginning to strain as she headed up an incline. A quarter of the way through her run, she'd put her shoulder-length black hair into a ponytail, though stubborn strands still found their way into her face. She'd left the Secret Service to start a private investigation firm in this small Virginia town, partnering with another former Secret Service agent, Sean King. King had left the service under a dark cloud, but had become an attorney and forged a new life in Wrightsburg. The two hadn't known each other while working for Uncle Sam. Rather, they'd teamed up on a case the previous year while Michelle was still in the service and King had become embroiled in a series of local murders. After bringing that matter to a successful conclusion and gaining some notoriety in the process, Michelle had suggested they start their own firm, and King somewhat reluctantly had agreed. With the reputation they'd gained from the previous case and their skills as investigators, 
The business had quickly become a success. There had come a lull in the work, though, for which Michelle was grateful. She was an outdoors woman, and she got as much satisfaction out of camping or running a marathon as she did busting counterfeiters or putting the clamps on a corporate spy. The woods were quiet, save for the rustling branches from a moisture-laden breeze that was conjuring miniature cyclones from last winter's dead leaves. However, the sudden crack of tree branches caught Michelle's attention. She'd been told that the occasional black bear could be spotted around here, but if she did encounter an animal, it was far more likely to be a deer, squirrel, or fox. She thought nothing more of it, although she took comfort in the pistol riding in the clip holster attached to her fanny pack belt. As a Secret Service agent, she'd never gone anywhere without her gun, not even the toilet. One never knew where a 9mm SIG and 14 rounds might come in handy. Moments later, another sound caught her attention and kept it. Running feet. In her Secret Service days, Michelle had heard many types of running feet. Most had been innocuous. Others signaled a darker purpose. Stealth, attack, or panic. She wasn't sure how to classify this one yet. Good, bad, or out of shape. She slowed her pace a little, using her hand to shield her eyes from the sunlight breaking through the tree canopies. For a few seconds, there was dead silence. Then the sounds of rushing feet returned, now much closer. Okay. What she was hearing was clearly not the measured pace of a jogger. There was a level of fear in the rushed and unsteady-sounding footfalls. Off to her left now, it seemed, but she couldn't be sure. Sound tended to whipsaw here. Hello, she called out, even as her hand reached down and took out her pistol. She didn't expect an answer and didn't get one.